we've got to figure out, okay, what is the future for journalism? Do we need to, is that independence that we talked about, uh, you know, are we regarded, despite our efforts to maintain independence, are we regarded as the liberal media or whatever? And should we behave differently to protect our country from this ethic of not caring if people lie? You can like a candidate, but I think I think if you don't care whether that person is lying, that's a pretty serious thing for for the country, and, and it's something that journalism needs to uh, work on and figure out, and I don't think we're there yet. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell, here with another podcast about digital media and the people who make it. Steve Buttry is one of my heroes in digital journalism. I think he's probably the hero of a lot of people who read the Buttry Diary, uh, which is a daily examination of all of the issues that many of us deal with day to day in our newsrooms. I first met Steve when he was my professor at American University. And I've seen him at many conferences and had had lots of conversations with him. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. His work is always inspiring to me. Uh, he's very positive uh, about uh, the direction journalism is headed. He recognizes that there are problems that we need to solve. But, uh, you know, he's always been sort of a light for me in examining w- the work that I do. I'm grateful to have him on the podcast once again. And uh, Steve's current job, uh, he's the director of student media at Louisiana State University. Prior to that, he was the director of digital strategy at Digital First Media and uh, before of that, he was in charge of community engagement at tbd.com. Today's podcast is a conversation I recently had with Steve about an article he wrote uh, for Current.org about journalism ethics. And I start that out by asking him what inspired him to write the article. Uh, well, they, they asked me to do it. They, they've got a grant, uh, and I apologize, I don't know the name of the, the, the source of the grant, but they've got a grant for a project on editorial integrity and are looking at uh, at this and some other issues. And, and uh, In fact, the whole thing might be looking at these issues of private activities. I, I, I'm not sure of the, the total context of the issue, but they asked me to, they're doing some commentaries on it, and they wanted me to do kind of a reported piece that would would look at some of the views and issues on it. So I decided to do this questionnaire as well as some some interviews, you know, with people in different positions. Was there any particular, you know, target of the ethics that you were particularly looking at? Was it like um, political, or was it just it, it in general? Was, it was kind of the off the clock. What are guidelines that? that journalists have to keep in mind in their personal activities or if you know if if they're unrestricted in their personal activities how might what they do in their personal activities affect their work you know so so it's kind of the the intersection between the private activities and the the, the public responsibilities of journalism I know that there's been a lot. There's been a lot of dis- discussion about that. I mean, there's just sort of this feeling that if you're a journalist, 
you know, you, you can't take a side in something that, and there's sort of this perception that, well, maybe I shouldn't participate in just being a citizen, but there are a lot of things that we can do that are, you know, for example, that are not political, uh, you know, like joining a political party or whatever that contribute to this, you know, the community that you live in. And that was some of the stuff I, I saw in the in the report that you were talking about. But 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 even some of the non the non political things are activities that can can venture into areas that we report on. You know, we don't just report on politics. And, and so that was part of it. You know, is, is it okay to to worship wherever you want? Well, of course, you know, virtually everybody agreed with that. But then there's a spectrum within each of the areas that I ask the questions about that, that they'd say, okay, yes, it's okay to worship, you know, and, and participate in religious activities in the community. But, you know, is it okay to belong to a faith-based group that takes positions on issues that you might cover? And, you know, many more people had a, had a problem with that issue, you know, with, with that point. And then in between, there are things that might affect some things, you know, that, okay, yes, you can worship wherever you want. You can even have a leadership position in your church or faith-based organization, but not if you're going to cover it, because religion is sometimes in the news, you know, <laughs> and, and there are religion writers, and, you know, and, and if, if you're a religion writer, it's going to affect what you do more than if you're a political writer, you know, where you just need to stay clear of those political issues, perhaps. So politics is sort of, okay, we, we recognize the conflicts as we approach them politically, but depending on what else you're going to cover, you know, okay, with your child's school, parents should be involved with their kids' schools. You know, there's plenty of evidence that, that creates, you know, better results for your child and everything in the school. But, you know, should you be involved with, you know, publicity for the local PTA or for a fund drive for the school and those sorts of things? That's going to create more problems, especially if you're an education writer or, you know, if you're covering education for political, you know, for a, you know, public TV station or radio, that, that sort of thing. So that what you cover could potentially create more issues depending on the area of private life that we're talking about. Yeah, and and one of the the issues that you mentioned or areas that you mentioned was like serving on a homeowners association, sure. which in, in many respects for a lot of people it seems pretty innocuous. Uh, my own personal experience, and I, I took the took your poll. Uh, I'm breaking my anonymity on it. You know, I was the president of a homeowners association for a number of years, and there this issue came up with a, a company that was managing um, the accounts of like hundreds of homeowners associations, and ours was one of them. Fortunately, ours wasn't one of the ones that was involved in the in the the in criminal investigation that went into it. But you know, I was in that position of, you know, uh, well, what do I do? This is something that I that I recognize as a as a big story. You know, you know, I bring, I brought it to the attention of the newsroom, and then pretty much I stepped back, and uh, sure. they, you know, they took it up and they ran with it. But you know, it was very clear. You know, I went to meetings to represent my homeowners association. Maybe I heard something. Maybe I didn't hear something. But you know, all of that stuff was out in the public. 
I wasn't reporting on anything. There was somebody there to report it from the paper. So it was knowing when to sort of draw that line and when to sure. step away from something. And and you don't think when you're going to join a homeowners association, you know, you, you're thinking, okay, the stuff we do here is so trivial and small in terms of the the bigger community news spotlight that that we're not going to create any attention. But you weren't thinking, uh, you know, that, yeah, but this outfit that serves lots of different homeowners associations could be engaged in a criminal investigation, and then, you know, suddenly there is a potential. So the potential is always there. And and one of the points of my story, and I, I was glad to hear from several people, is that we don't necessarily need, you know, a thou shalt not command to fit every possible situation, but we need to talk about things so that, okay, yeah, it's fine for you to be president of the Homeowners Association, but you should, you know, you should tell the boss, or if you are the boss, tell the newsroom, you know, hey, I've taken on this responsibility or whatever. You know, if there's any conflict, we'll, you know, we'll deal with them as they arise so that there are no surprises. And then secondly, when they arise, you discuss, okay, how do we handle this? Uh, you know, that so it's, it, it, and this goes back to the point we were making initially, we just need more good conversations about ethics. I don't think we need you know, rules that say you should never, ever, ever do anything that could potentially uh, involve you in a community activity that might be covered by the news because that would isolate us from the community where you get a lot of good news tips. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it actually... It would yeah. make for a bad and boring life that, you know, we'd, we'd be bad parents, we'd be bad citizens, you know, we... We wouldn't develop personally and spiritually the way that we need to, and we wouldn't be able to attract a journalist to such a restrictive occupation. Yeah, yeah, and, and with my, my own personal experience as the Homeowners Association, that, that actually particular story I, I mentioned uh, turned out to be really huge, and actually, you know, the state of Virginia enacted a, a new laws about, you know, management of Homeowners Association affecting the lives of, you know, thousands right. of people. So suddenly, something that's very minor to you suddenly turns into this big thing, and you know, where, you know, what what is your what is your ethical obligation as far as you know stepping back? I know that actually, what ended up happening was is like every time I got involved in a conversation with somebody, and this wasn't even connected with that particular story, but you know, if we were at the homeowner association and I went and I talked to somebody in the supervisor's office, I would always say, "Oh, just so you know." <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a professional journalist. I'm not talking to you in my role as a journalist, but I want you to be aware of that. If at some case something comes up and sure. you see me across the table from you, and you're going to go, "Oh my God!" All this stuff I said to him, but you know, I I figured in those situations it's much better to be open um, and uh, let people do what they may. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, is your idea because you know we sort of talk about this, and it's almost like. Are you thinking of of newsroom setting policy, or is it more of newsroom setting policy, but also individuals sort of policing themselves? I I think that the newsroom policies should be general principles that you should avoid involvement with things that you might cover, 
but disclose involvements when those things arise, that you're, you're not prohibited from any involvement in the community, uh, but you should avoid those that, that might deal with your, your coverage responsibilities. And, you know, so, so that, that I think a general principle of independence is good to have, but I don't think we should try to to get rules that are so specific and so broad that they cover everything because then they become too restrictive and and and, and you still won't cover everything <laughs> because <laughs> something will come up that you didn't anticipate. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm the head of the PTA of some school and now I'm going to start like covering the school board. Well, maybe that's sure. not kosher. Maybe that's not something you should be doing. Yeah, but 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 it certainly it might be okay for every other person on the staff than the person covering schools to to have that position. And so you know, if if you took the position, you know, the volunteer position before you take the professional assignment, you certainly need to disclose it and discuss whether, you know, okay, is it time to get off the board and those sorts of things. Uh, you know, so I, I think a rule, you know, a, a, a policy that, that states the dual principles of independence, but freedom and flexibility to to be involved in the community and disclosure of, of potential conflicts, and then you know, conversations when when those potential conflicts turn into real conflicts. I know there's been sort of this – there's been a long – as long as I've been a journalist, there's always been this sort of taboo about any political involvement. And, you know, there have uh-huh. been, been talk, in, talk in recent years um, – maybe it's not so recent – but of, you know, journalists shouldn't you know, shouldn't register for a particular party or they or maybe they even shouldn't vote, um, you know, take themselves that completely out of the, the political process. It's the same sort of spectrum that you would find in the other, in the other areas. The not voting is the extreme, but there are some journalists who don't vote. Um, I think most famously, Len Downey, when he was editor of the Washington Post, made a point of saying that he didn't vote. You know, the Washington Post covered a lot of elections, and politics was so much a part of its nature that he thought, as editor of the Washington Post, that he should not vote. But he he didn't, and that's interesting because he was in the top position he didn't require that his staff not vote. He said, this is my personal ethical decision that I'm not going to vote, so if I'm remembering that correctly. And I think that that is an extreme position. I think you should vote. But I like that you think about whether even the act of voting compromises your independence. And, and, and I like that you, that you think about it and have those discussions, even though I would come down in a different position on that. But then you know, registering to belong to a particular party, you know, um, you know, going, if, if you're an Iowa voter, going to the caucuses, you know, which, which is more active a participation than voting in a primary. Voting in a primary, you have to register and declare yourself a member of parties in some states. Uh, you know, is, does that cross the line? I think everybody agrees that we shouldn't prohibit journalists from voting, even though some journalists decide not to vote. And I think everybody agrees that journalists shouldn't hold office, 
but there and and then and thus shouldn't run for office, but that there are you know shades of difference along the way. I remember when I was at uh, at the Des Moines Register many years ago, there was a reporter who didn't cover politics, uh, who who was in a small town outside of uh, of Des Moines and was interested in serving on the city council. And we did have a prohibition against holding public office, and, and, and he wasn't allowed to do that. You know, I think, that's, I think it's extreme that you have the prohibition, but an area where there is more likely to be a prohibition is holding public office. I think you will have some, you know, many, many place, workplaces in journalism that, that, that do spell that one out. You know, something that you kind of touched on before, uh, you know, journalists should be members of the community. If for no other reason, it just makes them better journalists. Uh, they're they're yeah. within the community. They're they're seeing issues firsthand. They're they're experiencing what's going on in their schools if they belong to the PTA or, you know, or they volunteer in their neighborhood or something. Um, it, it gives them a, a better perspective, I think. Yes. And, and I think I think that's one of the things that makes this different from some political some ethical issues in journalism you know in in the case of accuracy you know that's a good practice you know verifying and getting our facts right is something good that we want to teach journalists to do and you know being careless with your facts is something bad that that we want to avoid and and punish when it happens and and you know in the case of plagiarism you know that that's an ethical violation that you know most newsrooms won't tolerate and it can get you punished uh, including being fired right away on the first offense again in many newsrooms but this independence is more a matter of weighing two good things you know that independence by journalists is a good thing and community involvement by journalists is a good thing. And so what we need to do is encourage these two good things, but watch out for when they create conflicts and then deal with the conflicts. Anybody who is familiar with digital journalism is is probably seen uh, your link either in, in social media or or has actually gone to the, the Buttery Diary. Uh, it's it's a pretty com- it's as long as I've seen it it's been a pretty comprehensive and certainly much longer than I've seen it a comprehensive sort of overview of the issues that just come that come about daily about uh, what's going on in our industry and a lot of people you know read it and and they should if they don't read it <laughs> you know if you if you're familiar with it you know I don't know if you want to talk about your health issues but you've had health issues sure. for for a while. And you know, certainly, it's been admirable that you've been you've been keeping at this. Certainly, this is a, a very interesting time uh, for journalists. I, you know, I think every time is interesting, I guess. Sure. Uh, but uh, you know, the election year, post-election, new administration coming in. What what are your thoughts um, about where journalism is at the moment? Your, your reference to my my health issues. I, I'm dealing with a third major cancer diagnosis of, of my life. And, and uh, this summer I was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer and, and I learned uh, in November, so we're talking right around the election, yeah. learned that, that that had spread to my liver uh, and 
you know, we've we've stopped treatment. Uh, there, there's there's really not a uh, you know a, a, a treatment that's going to stop uh, cancer that's spread to the uh, once it's spread from the pancreas to the liver. It's it's not treatable, and so. The election, which was a lot for a lot of people to deal with, but you know whether you're in politics or or journalism or not, that that was that was a jolt to a lot of people, and it happened when I was uh, enduring a jolt of a different kind. That uh, you know, I have to say, I was less engaged with this election. It's okay, Steve. And it's just that, letting you know yeah, it's okay. That I ever have. Um, but, but certainly, uh, you know, as, as I'm trying to stay involved as I uh, continue to work while uh, the cancer plays out its course, you know, beyond the, you know, whatever you think about the candidates, there was a repudiation by the voters in this election for the value of fact-based journalism. Uh, you know, the, that we, meaning journalists, uh, time and again check the facts of what candidates said and said, Donald Trump is not telling the truth. You know, that if you check the facts behind his statements, he wasn't telling the truth. And the voters kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, okay, but we want him to be president, which, of course, sets aside the fact that more of them chose Hillary Clinton. <laughs> but, you know, in, in the states where it mattered, uh, he got enough votes that we've got to figure out, okay, what is what is the future for journalism? Do we need to... Is that independence that we talked about, uh, you know, are we regarded, despite our efforts to maintain independence, are we regarded as the liberal media or whatever, and should we behave differently to protect our country from this ethic of not caring if people lie? You know, you, you can like a candidate, but I think I, I, I think if you don't care whether that person is lying, uh, that's a pretty serious thing for for the country, and, and it's something that journalism needs to uh, work on and figure out. And I don't think we're there yet. I agree with you. Yes, you know, having a candidate who consistently lies—that's a problem. But when you get to a point where truth doesn't really matter. You know that's a problem for us because you know we we're, we're supposed to be trying to find the truth in in our yeah. reporting and yes. every every journalism code of ethics that are, you know or that I'm aware of kind of in a different way and sometimes in the exact same way states our our core principle is seek truth and report it and you know what do you do when the public doesn't care what's true well is it you know they saw the fake news story it it fit their biases so they shared it right and then that but that's see, that's a whole other thing because if you think about it it's almost as if the the delivery system is was working against journalists yeah. the this this rapid fire minute by minute headline and you know the the way stories are, sh are shared on social media you know, and, and what you said, where where people were looking more for stories that 
that reflected their own uh, bias and shared those, I mean, those became more of the drivers of, of what the issue is. But I, likewise, I think I think it's also important to think about, you know, how is the how is the media perceived by the by the public at large? Um, yeah. That you know, case in point, at my at my job, we, you know, if if somebody sees a headline that that, that we've reported uh, on social media, you know, and there, if there's a discussion going on back and forth, at some point, someone will say, "Oh, that's that's a fake news site." And it's like, well, you know, uh, I don't think we're a news site, but people have come to, to sort of accept that, that if you're in opposition to X, you're, you're fake or you're not truthful. Yes. And, and, you know, how do we get beyond that? Um, yes. I mean, it, you know, what, once, once fake news became part of the discussion, it also became a way to discredit things I didn't agree with. And, 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 the, and there's a difference between... Fake news that's propaganda and fake news that's got a kernel of truth that kind of got twisted or taken out of context and, you know, and something that was, you know, completely made up. And, you know, not all of the fake news is political news. You know, Craig Silverman of BuzzFeed just did an interesting roundup of all the fake crime stories that were, you know, went viral. Uh, in the past year that had no truth to it. <laughs> you know, and that's just people, you know, having fun and wanting to, it, it, you know, the, I mean, it, and it's, there's a difference also, a, a satire. You know, I love sharing Andy Borowitz's satire from The New Yorker or a funny story from The Onion, but most of us, when we see The Onion or we see Andy Borowitz, we know, okay, this is satire, but there's other fake news that the only humor in it is this is an attempt to see how gullible people are? Yeah. So then it then it behooves the the journalists, the the news organizations to do their jobs, I guess. But also, and and not so much maybe to placate to whatever the drivers of you know this industry is, whether you know just to feed the churn of online content. We we just you know I I think that's part of it as well. There's just so much stuff has to go through and go out and be consumed and and content that's real news is 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 being displayed and being shared out in the same place as as these fake stories or just crap. And you know for some people it's difficult to determine you know when the real news starts and when the fake news uh, begins. It's it's really crappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's tough times to be journalist. <sighs> oh well, we'll get through it. I know. My my feelings early on after the election was that this is an opportunity for us to sort of gut check and to you know sort of recommit ourselves. I, I agree. I agree completely that that uh, you know if if we're going to become a better country, whatever that means to you, I think a better journalism institutions and and practices are going to be part of whatever whatever better becomes i agree uh steve thank you for coming on the podcast this has been great i, I recommend that everybody uh, read this uh, latest article in the current also check out the the buttery blog and uh keep an eye out for your late you gonna have any more posts about uh the, uh, the new the, the the hated new york yankees I'm probably not finished there. Yeah, that, that's, that's another one of my blogs is uh, hatedyankees.wordpress.com. So uh, um, 
I, I hope I've got another post or two is still coming there. Yeah, I think they've. They, I think they have just plenty of material for the for the Yankees to keep okay. you going for a while. But thanks a lot, Steve. It's been great. All right, thanks. Great to talk to you, Mike. Next time on It's All Journalism, we do have a point of view, and we don't. You know, when you're reporting on something like, you know. Transgender use of bathrooms, or, or or the right for someone to marry whoever they want. I mean, you know, sometimes you know the, the daily or something might call it a controversy. For us, it's just, there's no controversy. You know, there's you know there is one side that is right to this, and we're going to come out and say it. And so there's no you know the, there's no controversy about basic human rights. And I think that that's something that sometimes the other outlets might you know. I, from our perspective, my perspective, get wrong. Whereas our papers are going to come right out and say it. Say, no, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is the. This is what's right. This is what's moral. Uh, and and we're not going to back down from saying it. There's no he said, she said here. Uh, and so that's a dis- that's a distinct um, difference between the mainstream media. And it's it's the point of view that's necessary. It's going to be more, more necessary now more than ever. In our next podcast, I talk to the executive director of the Association of Alternative News Media. Jason Zaragoza, about their upcoming digital summit in Portland, Oregon. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. This week's podcast was produced by Nicola Grisco, web editor Amber Healy, and me, your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.
we do have a point of view and we don't you know when you're reporting on something like you know transgender use of bathrooms or or, or the right for someone to marry whoever they want i mean you know sometimes you know the a daily or something might call it a controversy for us it's just, there's no controversy you know there's you know there is one side that is right to this and we're going to come out and say it and so there's no you know the, uh, there's no controversy about basic human rights and i think that that's something that sometimes the other outlets might you know from our perspective, my perspective, get wrong. Whereas our papers are going to come right out and say it. Say, no, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is the. This is what's right. This is what's moral. Uh, and and we're not going to back down from saying it. There's no he said, she said here. Uh, and so that's a dis- that's a distinct um, difference between the mainstream media, and it's it's a point of view that's necessary. It's going to be more, more necessary now more than ever.